Welcome to Arise Church, where we exist so that you can experience God. I pray that this message will encourage, inspire, and grow your faith in God. Enjoy the message. So good to see you. I hear it raining outside, but it felt like the rain was falling on the inside this morning during worship, did it not? Come on, can we just give it up for our amazing worship team and our sound booth team? And they create an atmosphere for us to have an amazing experience together. Well, if we have not had the privilege of meeting, my name is Tina, I'm the community pastor, and we are so excited that you are here to worship God with us this morning. We wanna celebrate as is our custom to get started. And, and I just wanna celebrate that some of you know that in January, we announced that we were launching a coaching and counseling center. Well, that actually soft launched in March. I wanted to give you a quick update. We now have a full team of a female counselor, a male counselor, a marriage counselor, a financial coach. I'm the career coach. We are set up and ready to minister to this community. We are already seeing clients and, and it is so, so good. And I had somebody ask me the other day um, why we've been somewhat low key in advertising it. Like, yeah, we're doing some Instagram and we're doing some Facebook, but, but why aren't we shouting it from the rooftops? And quite honestly, the reason for that is that I wanted to make sure that we got the foundation right. I wanted to make sure that we had all the right people in place and all of the right processes in place because when God sends whoever he's going to send, I want to make sure that we steward well whoever God sends to us. And so we have been a little bit thoughtful in making sure that we get the basics right. In fact, how many of you know that if you're building a house, the foundation matters? Ladies, if we are building a fabulous face, the foundation matters, right? Things matter. We have to look at the foundations of things. I mean, athletes know that whatever sport they're doing, there has to be a foundation of conditioning, of strength training. In fact, I'm so excited. In about a month or so, football is coming back. Come on, somebody. And even though training camp is not in session yet, those athletes, they are pumping iron and they're running and they're taking dance classes. And, and they're, yes, they do take dance classes to get limbered up and to get flexible. Singers know that they have to warm up before they belt out a song. If you were ever to be here at seven o'clock in the morning, you would hear Pastor Jason doing things like this. Like the whole worship team would be up here. Go ahead, try it. It'll make me feel less weird. Go ahead, try the little lip roll thing. Go on, there you go, there you go, right? They're warming up their lungs. They're warming up their lips. And communicators often warm up their mouths before preaching a message. We're notorious for standing in front of the bathroom mirror preaching to ourselves to get the message on the inside of us. And if you're Pentecostal, you gotta get good at like speaking quick. Right, you gotta practice that. And so I know a couple of communicators that actually stand in front of the bathroom mirror and they do tongue twisters. Like they literally say tongue twisters. So we're gonna do a t few tongue twisters because the reality is we're all communicators and we've gotta make sure that we're not tripping on our tongue. So we start with the basics, right? We start with the really easy one. We start by saying things like, I scream, you scream, we all scream for ice cream. 
Come on, somebody, it's not too early for ice cream, is it, right? It's time for ice cream already. So we start there, and then we get just, you know, a little bit twistier. We start by saying things like, Sally, say it with me, Sally sells seashells by the seashore, right? We're warming up our tongue. We're getting our lips going so that we can get ready to communicate. But no, we're just not going to leave it there because now that we got the basics going, we got to get some rhythm. We got to get some cadence to our communication style. So we'll say things like this. Do this one with me. How much wood would a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? A woodchuck would chuck all the wood if a woodchuck could chuck wood. Come on, y'all. That was good. Y'all did so good. But then, right, then for those of us who are Pentecostal, and we know that it's going to get down in here in just a little while, we take it to the next level, and we do this one. Come on, do it with me. Peter Piper picked a pack of pickled peppers. A pack of pickled peppers Peter Piper picked. If Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers, where the peck of pickled peppers Peter Piper picked? Come on, there we go. So good, so good. So why, why, why would a communicator do this? Because a communicator knows that the basics are just about getting the words right. But the more advanced you go, it's not just about the words. It's about the enunciation. It's about the cadence. It's about the timing. And so we build on a foundation. And the same is true for those of us who follow Christ. Some of us start really basic. In fact, we all do. We're screaming for ice cream. We're screaming at God for the things that make our flesh feel good. But as we grow in our relationship with him, as we mature, our relationship becomes more complicated. But we have to remember those basic elements, those things that are building blocks that we can build off of. If we want to walk in right identity, then, then we need to come to a very clear understanding of who God is and who we are in him. Right. We can't go to higher levels until we get that. Otherwise, at some point, there'll be a sinkhole. We'll crash in the middle of that. If we want to raise children who have a strong sense of identity and a relationship with the Lord, then we need to know the basics of parenting. What, what does God say about how to raise amazing children? And if we're going to allow God to use our lives for his glory, then we need to know the basics of how to steward the life that he has given us. And so often we want to experience the lofty things of God, the, the, the prophecies of God, the mysteries of God. And God's like, listen, I just want you to start with the ABCs, right. right? Let's get those right. And if you get those right, then I'll take you to higher places inside of me. And that's where James comes in. James, the half-brother of Jesus, who once upon a time who would have been considered a skeptic, but then after an encounter with the resurrected Jesus, not the sleep in the bed beside me Jesus, but the resurrected Jesus became a servant. In fact, that's what the book of James actually says. He begins James, a servant of the Most High God. His identity is rooted. He knows exactly who he is. He encountered God in the flesh and his faith became real. In fact, it became so real that he drafted, he authored the letter that you and I come to know as the book of James so that he could teach other churches, other believers, other Christians, this is the basics. This is how you walk out your faith in God. 
And if you're new to the Bible, the book of James is like an Old Testament book of Proverbs, an Old Testament book of wisdom dressed up in New Testament clothes. And he comes to us and he says, this, this is how you follow the way maker. This is how you follow the miracle worker. And it's filled with practical wisdom that is applicable to our daily lives. Some would even say it's basic And yet as we continue in our series called Back to Basics this morning, we're going to study another significant passage in his letter, in his book, that allows us to take a look at our lives to determine if the miracle working power of Jesus is actually working in our lives. Do we see it? Do others see it? Now, last week, Pastor George did a beautiful job of unpacking James's teaching on the difference between faith and works, between hearing and doing. And this week, we're going to build upon that teaching because James has a lot to say about the tongue. So it's really good that we warmed ours up this morning because I need you to be the amen crowd. I need you to talk to me. I need you to engage with me. I need to know that you're listening, that you're receiving, that you're hearing You're not just talking to me. You're talking to Jesus here. Yes, Lord, I hear what you're saying. I receive your word this morning. However, before we get too theological, here are just some fun facts about the tongue that may surprise you. I actually saw this on a crime show and then looked it up on the internet, so it must be true. (laughs) Do you know that your tongue has as unique a a thing, it's as unique as a fingerprint, right? So if you like what you do a crime scene and you wipe everything down, but you licked something, they will know it's you. Your tongue is as unique as an actual thumbprint. Your tongue has between 2,000 and 4,000 taste buds. Depending on how big your tongue actually is, and all sizes are a little bit different. And yet, isn't it amazing that there are still some things that are gross? Like Brussels sprouts, like seriously, I have 3,000 taste buds and I still don't like Brussels sprouts. This one is actually really, really interesting. Do you know that your tongue can get fat? Seriously, as we gain weight, so does our tongue. Like God, is there nothing off limits, right? When we gain weight. And did you know that in the country of Tibet, the way you greet one another is to stick your tongue out at each other? Go ahead, say hello to each other in Tibet. Go ahead. That's it, right? We just walk around sticking our tongue out at each other. I found this one really funny. 83% of the population can roll their tongue. Can you roll your tongue? You know, can you roll your tongue? But only 5% can touch their nose. Are you somebody in this room that can touch your nose? Anybody, anybody at all? David, can you do it? You did it, come on, give him a hand. He's one of the 5% right there. The tongue is a muscle, y'all, but it's not just one muscle. It's actually made up of a collection of eight muscles. It's kind of like a trunk of the elephant. And here's a fun fact. Do you know that your tongue cannot get tired? Like my back gets tired, my legs get tired, I get tired. But have you ever, after a full day of eating and a full day of talking, ever said, my tongue is tired? (laughs) Nobody says that, right? Your jaw might be tired, your ears might be tired, but your tongue does not get tired. 
And this one I think is really fascinating. You know, of all the body, of all of the parts of your body, if your tongue gets injured, how many of you have ever bit it accidentally? Oh my word, talk about make me almost lose my salvation. Like it's a big deal when I bite my tongue. (laughs) Do you know that it is the fastest part of the body that heals? It heals faster than any other part of the body. Y'all, your tongue is powerful. It is powerful. And scripture backs that up because in Proverbs 18, 21, scripture tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Your tongue is powerful. Death and life are in the power of those eight little three-inch muscles inside of our mouth. And this morning, we're going to unpack that scripture, and we're going to explore the power our tongue has on influencing the trajectory of our lives and the trajectory of lives in our influence. In fact, James unpacks this as he begins in chapter three, verse one, and he says this, not many of you should become teachers. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. It is never a small thing for me or any other communicator to stand on this stage. Not because we're trying to impress you, because we want to make you happy or make you feel good, because at the end of the day, I can make you happy and really disappoint my father. But if I please my father, then regardless of what I see, regardless of what I hear, I trust that he's working. I trust that he's working. That's what we stand on when we stand on this this platform. So he says, listen, not many of you should do this. But then he goes on and he says, we all stumble. Somebody say all. All. We all stumble in many ways. And anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. And they're able to keep their whole body in check. Now, I love the way that James begins by addressing teachers. Keep in mind, this was originally a letter. And so letters were passed from church to church to to church in biblical days. Right? And then it became a part of the inspired word of God in the Bible. So James was initially talking to the pastors because they're the ones that would have received the letter. And so he's talking to them and he says, listen, you need to check your vocation to make sure you're in the right place. But then he would recognize that the pastor would read the letter to the congregation. And here he sweeps a really wide brush and he includes all believers. And he says that all of us struggle that we all make mistakes with our words. There's not one person here in this room today who could say you have never said the wrong thing at the wrong time or the right thing at the wrong time or just flat out the dumb thing that you wish that you hadn't said because if we did, our lives would be perfect. I don't know about you, but I believe that there's an undertone here where he's saying it but not saying it that says, listen, some of your lives are jacked up because of what's coming out of your mouth. And if you could address what's coming out of your mouth, the things in your life would be beginning to line up. But the reality is, is that's really, really hard. Because if you're taking notes this morning, point number one is this, your tongue is a troublemaker. Can I get an amen from somebody? Your tongue is a troublemaker. I mean, seriously, from the moment I uttered my very first words, my tongue has been getting me in trouble. 
more times than I care to count, I could hear my mom and dad even right now saying, Tina, watch your mouth. Tina, watch your mouth. Tina, watch your mouth. And while the reality is, is that words are my greatest strength, they have also been the area of my biggest temptation, the area of my biggest weakness. And sometimes it's as though my mouth has a mind of its own. Anybody other than me? Right? It just has a mind of its own. And left to its own devices, our tongue likes to boast and it likes to gossip and it likes to lie and it likes to slander and it likes to manipulate and it likes to judge and it likes to condemn. It likes to wound and it likes to scar. Our tongue is a troublemaker. In fact, James says the tongue It's a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. And then he goes on and he says, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Verse six says, the tongue is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body and it sets the whole course of one's life on fire and it itself is set on fire by hell. A single spark can start a fire. Have you ever said something to somebody else and before you knew it, you were in a knockdown drag out argument and you're like, how did that happen? Or or you said something and, and you didn't think it was a big deal, but now all of a sudden somebody's not talking to you for the next three days. Like, have you ever been in that place where, where you're just like, what just happened? I, I, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. And all of a sudden, it's a big deal. How did we get here? How how did we get to this place where we can't communicate and everything we say to one another is hurting one another? Well, it's kind of like what happened to the 10-year-old boy who lived in California in October of 2007. Somehow, he got his hands on a match, and he was playing in his backyard. And he dropped that match, and it started a fire that turned into a wildfire that lasted 27 days. 27 days, over 15,000 people had to evacuate their homes. 21 homes were destroyed, 22 businesses were destroyed, 972,000 acres of land were destroyed and it cost the state of California $2.4 billion. B billion dollars, all because of one small match. Now, if this situation happened accidentally, let's get really real this morning. Has there ever been a moment that you accidentally said the wrong thing, where you casually released a comment that hurt somebody? And sometimes we start fires because we're careless. Sometimes we start fires because we're intentional. And the reality is, is that an uncontrolled tongue can make someone big look really, really small. Can make somebody big look really, really small. And that's not to say that we should not speak the truth in love. That's not to say that we should stand back when God says to speak up. But when we do it, we have to do it with his heart. We have to do it with his heart, not our own heart. Jesus spoke hard words all the time. All the time in scripture, I'm like, Jesus, you can't say that. 
He said words that would have been considered in today's world harsh, intolerant, unloving, judgmental, but they were never meant to hurt. They were always meant to heal. How do we know that? Because Jesus is love. He doesn't love, he is love. He cannot speak apart from his love. So even when he was clearing out the temple and kicking everybody to the curb, when he was calling somebody a hypocrite, the goal was to call them up, not to push them down. And if we want to follow him as believers, if we want to communicate the way that he did, one of the most basic things that we have to understand is that left to our flesh, our tongue is untamable. It's untamable. In fact, point number two this morning, the tongue will set the trajectory for your life. It might lead you to the hide road. It might also lead you in a ditch. If you're walking around saying things like, I'm broke, I never have any money. You are always going to be broke and not have any money. If you are walking around all the time and you're just saying, nothing ever good ever happens to me. Guess what? Nothing good is ever going to happen to you because you're aligning your tongue with the wrong voice. You're aligning your tongue with the enemy, not with God. We have to align our words with God and not the enemy. But by itself, our tongue is untamable. It's untamable. It it has a mind of its own. And and to understand what I mean by that, you've got to understand the the definition of the word tame. The word definition of the word tame means to domesticate. It means to teach someone to act right, to get it together, to put on an act, to pretend. That's what the word tame is all about. It's, it's about adjusting someone's behaviors. Animals, animal trainers do it all the time. How many of you remember the story of Siegfried and Roy who had the Las Vegas show where they were doing tiger um, tricks and tiger training? until one of those tigers turned on Roy and ended his career, completely derailed his life. Was the tiger wrong? Or was the tiger doing what tigers do? What what about the killer whale at SeaWorld? Remember that story where the killer whale actually led to the death of one of the trainers? And it changed the way you and I experience a show at SeaWorld ever since. Was the whale wrong? No, the whale was being an animal. A whale was doing what a whale does. And in the same way, left to our own devices, left to our flesh, our tongue is just as wild. Our tongue is just as untamable. It's just as dangerous. And it doesn't feel good to be on the other end of a dangerous tongue, does it? No, it wounds us. Sometimes it makes us feel insecure. And some of us in this room are still carrying around the scars of words that were spoken to us and spoken over us. I remember a time in my own life where my father, though he was not trying to be unkind, said to me when I was in high school, he was like, hey, T, I really think you ought to find a career that uses your big personality. 
Now, what he was saying was, you have a gift. That's what he was saying. But the enemy twisted those words. And what I heard in my head was, oh, he thinks you're not smart. And so we have to be careful because sometimes even what we say meant positively in the enemy's hands can be twisted to wound us. I've experienced this as a pastor counseling people in my own office. And here is the motto that I come to stand on. You can 100% judge me for what I said, but you may not judge me for what you heard in your head. Because the enemy's going to twist it. He's going to take it to your vulnerability, and he's going to twist it. Now, does that mean that we're like, well, if the enemy's going to do it, why, why, you know, why do I even have to care? Because we are responsible for every word that comes out of our mouth. And Scripture says that we will give an account of every word that comes out of our mouth. I mean, we, we teach our children that famous little nursery rhyme that says, sticks and stones can break your bones, but words can never hurt you. Baloney feathers, like words hurt a lot. And many of us have been on the receiving end of it, but here's where it gets real. Go ahead and pull up your toes. Some of us have been the giver of hurtful words, not just the receiver of them. We've been the ones who wound. We've been the ones who hurt. Yesterday, I was hanging out at my community pool and I always get a little bit frustrated when there are people at my community pool because I like to think of it as my pool. And there were all these people there, and I thought, all right, Tina, you're going to have to be nice. Get in the pool. Be friendly. And so I'm talking to different people, right? And, you know, we're all hanging out. And there was a, a woman, and her boyfriend was playing with her son, and he had asked the little boy not to splash him. And the little boy splashed him. And that boyfriend began to berate this little boy. And he would pick him up and he would throw him and he would get him underwater. And the minute he would come up, he would say something else to him and he would throw him underwater again. This little boy couldn't catch his breath. And I heard, you know, we're, we're all kind of like turning to watch what's happening because the little boy is, is struggling a little bit. And the mother um, calls him by name and he doesn't respond. And they were somewhat close to me, closer than Erica and I are here. And I just looked over and I said, that's enough. And I thought, man, now I'm going to have to get in a fight at the pool. There goes my Saturday. That little boy was scared. And somebody needed to stand up to a bully. And in that moment, he was being a bully. And we have been bullied. But church, dare I say, as Christians, sometimes we've been the bully. People look at us and they, they determine who God is based upon the words that are coming out of our mouth. And it doesn't matter that we go to church every Sunday, and it doesn't matter if we carry a big Bible, and it doesn't matter if we have an Arise bumper sticker, if we can't be loving and kind with the words that are coming out of our mouth, then do us a favor, take the bumper sticker off your car. You're not doing Jesus any favors. We're not doing Jesus any favors. It's basic Christianity 101. As parents, we have to be so careful because our words are modeling and shaping the next generation. And as spouses, we have to be so careful because we can crush someone's spirit that God gave us to love and to nurture. And as a body of Christ... 
The list goes on and on and on. This is basic Christianity 101, and I know you know this. I know you know this. So why do some of us struggle? Why? Why do we struggle? Well, James tells us why in the gospel, or Jesus tells us why in the gospel of Matthew. He says this, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Okay, this is slightly crude, but has anyone ever told you that you're full of, mm? What are they saying? They're saying your mouth is speaking that's coming from your heart, and it's not good. The NLT makes it a little bit clearer. That translation, it says, for wherever, for whatever is in your heart will determine what you say. Have you ever said something to someone and you said, I didn't mean it? I didn't mean that. Can I debunk that for a minute? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Maybe you didn't mean to say it out loud. I've done that. I've had moments where I'm like, oh, did I actually just say that out loud? But yes, you did mean it. Maybe you, you could have worded it a little differently. Maybe you could have massaged it a little better. But whatever is in the heart will find its way out. The most honest thing you can do is say, wow, I know that was hurtful and it was not kind. And I would love to tell you, I don't mean it, but I think we need to talk about it. Because if that's what came from in here, that's really what I'm feeling. And that's really what we need to talk about. And this passage, this passage that tells us that the mouth speaks what the heart is full of, tells us this, that while we cannot tame the tongue, the reason is simple. It's because taming the tongue is not about behavior modification. It's about heart transformation. If we want to change the way we speak, if we want to change the way we communicate, we don't change the behavior. We go to the heart. We go to the root of it. And we say it's about transformation. You see, the real issue isn't about what's coming out of our mouths. It's about what's outflowing from our hearts. And that's why we can't tame the tongue. Because at the end of the day, our communication, communication struggles are not really a tongue thing. It's a heart thing. It's a heart thing. A few weeks ago, I was experiencing some discomfort in my hip. And so I went to the massage therapist and, and she was like, what can we work on today? If you've ever had a massage, they always ask you what they can work on. And I said, my, my hip hurts. It kind of goes around in my back, my hip hurts. And so she, you know, does her, her thing. And when it's all said and done, I said, so w what did you find? And she said, the issue is not your hip at all. The issue is your knee. You see, I've been nursing a knee injury for over a year. And she said, you're babying your knee. And so what's happening is, is that you're throwing off your gait and it's messing with your hip. Some of us are trying to deal with our tongue by dealing with our tongue. But we can't deal with our tongue by dealing with the tongue. We got to deal with the heart. I remember hearing evangelist Joyce Meyer say that when she had first come to Christ, like she couldn't shut her mouth. In fact, she would sit in her car before a meeting and say, I'm not going to speak. 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 And she said, inevitably, every single time, the mouth seemed to open up and words seemed to come out that always seemed to get her in trouble. Until one day she realized this isn't this isn't a tongue issue. It's about what's going on in here. 
It's about what's going on in here. And the same thing happens to us. We see it all the time. You're driving down I-75 and somebody's in your blind spot. And you go to change lanes, they hit the horn. But then they come up beside you and they are screaming at you. Have you been there? Do not raise your hand. Have you been that person? Is the issue really that somebody cut you off? Or is the issue that you're already having a bad day? That you were already feeling disrespected? That you were already all wound up on the inside and that was the straw that broke the camel's back? Or or maybe this is a little more personal. You come home at the end of the day and there's dishes in the sink and there's clothes on the floor. Nobody has started dinner at all whatsoever. You walk in and they're like, what are we eating? And all of a sudden, you're like, somebody say something to me. Go ahead. Go ahead. Talk to me. Talk to me. Go ahead. Somebody say something to me right now. Right this minute, say something to me. Is the issue the fact that the house was messy or there wasn't food on the stove? Well, maybe a little bit. Or was the issue that you're like, I'm just one person and I'm tired? And you're asking more of me than I can give you at the moment. Was the eruption the result of whatever happened or was it the result of there was already toxicity, there was already poison on the inside of you, there was already the element ready for engagement. A few months ago, our staff went on a retreat to Ocala and it was beautiful. We had a great time of ministry and worship and we had some playtime to refresh with each other. And one morning, I think it was the first morning, I decided that before um, everybody was kind of up, I wanted to get up and I wanted to make breakfast for everybody. Now, here's the thing about that. If you know me at all whatsoever, I'm a cereal and toast kind of girl, right? Like, I do my very best not to cook anytime. And all of a sudden, I wanted to cook breakfast. That's usually Pastor Karen's job. He's really good at it. But he was still sleeping that morning. So I decided I was going to do it. And so I started the bacon, right? And the bacon's going. Well, while I started the bacon, I had put the pan on the other burner. And I had just like gone ahead and just turned it on, you know, so that it would be heating up. Well, I get ready. And so I cut a pat of butter to start making the eggs. And I throw it in the pan. And it immediately erupted in fire. Like, I mean, the flames were two feet tall, y'all. Like, I mean, it was like, oh, my goodness. Praise God, Pastor Marilee walked in. She was like, get a towel. And she threw a towel on it, and it goes out, and the smoke detector's going off. And Pastor Ader comes in, and she gets on a stool, and she turns it off, right? Pastor Brent never even got out of bed. Like, I mean, he just never even got out of bed. It was like, all right, it'll be fine. And I learned two important things from that experience. Number one, cereal and toast, y'all. Cereal and toast. That's the first thing I learned. Y'all can make your own doggone breakfast. But the second thing that I learned is really important right here. The reality is, is that we have to be careful that there isn't an element that hits the fire that will erupt in our life and in somebody else's. An element that blows up a relationship that blows up a business partnership, that that blows up our family, all because it hit a hot pan on the wrong day. 
One of the most basic ways that you can determine your maturity in Christ is by paying really close attention to what's coming out of your mouth. And for many years, I meditated day and night on the passage that Pastor um, George preached on last week. The passage says that everybody should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Why did I meditate on it? Because I had a hot temper. I had a container of pain that was on the inside of me, and it didn't take much for it to erupt. And I was like a flash fire. I erupted quickly. I did significant collateral damage, but the minute the blanket was, or the towel was thrown on it, I was better. But the world around me was still shaking. And I had to get God's word on the inside of me and say, God, something inside of me is not right. I was a baby believer, but something inside of me was not right. Can I let you in on a little secret? People are watching you. They're listening to you. And they're looking for authenticity between what you post on social media and what you say out of your mouth. They're looking for authenticity. The world is looking for an authentic encounter with Jesus. And Jesus said, you're it. You're it. I've gone away. I've given you my spirit. You are it. And fueled with the power of his spirit, fueled by sometimes the right counseling to get the the stuff on the inside out of us, we can become agents that change the world. It's, It's basic Christianity. And especially for us as, as Pentecostals, like we, we get so focused on whether or not you can speak or tongues or not. Can I be honest with you? I don't care if you can say sha la 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 la. Can you apologize? Can you say I'm sorry? Can you say I love you? Can you say I disagree with that point of view, but I love you? Can you say it? That's the sign of someone whose mouth is being changed, is being controlled by the Holy Spirit. True evidence of a, of a life surrender to Christ is demonstrated by what's coming out of our mouth. We need the Holy Spirit. We need him. We need more of him in our lives. We need him to do in us with the power of God what we cannot do on our own. My early career was, was spent in corporate America, and for whatever reason, like, language there was, you know, one bomb after another. Like, it was just, that, that was just kind of my experience in the early days of my career. And so I learned as a woman in business, well, if you want to be respected, right, if you want to be able to hold your own, then, then you need to be able to talk the talk and walk the walk. And my language at times, church, I know this might be surprising, but once upon a time, it was profane. Until I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And on the day I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I mean the day I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, God transformed my mouth. He transformed my mouth. In my world, there were two things that happened. This is no indictment on you. This is my story. He completely changed the language was coming out of my mouth, and he took away all taste for alcohol. On the exact same day, your story is your story. That was my story. 
there was a transformation that was happening on the inside of me. And I realized that sometimes we need God to put Holy Spirit-led duct tape over our mouths until he can get a hold of our heart. And then and only then it must be opened up. Proverbs 13, 3 says this, that those who control their tongue will have a long life. Okay, that's just lovely, right? You're going to have a long life if we will learn to control our tongue. But it also goes on to say that opening your mouth can ruin everything. It can ruin everything. But in spite of the dangers, this passage reminds us that our tongue not only has the power to bring death, it has the power to bring life, to lift up, to build up, to encourage, to create, to inspire. Jesus, Jesus and and, and God, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity was there at the day of creation and they spoke the world into existence. What could happen if we would look at each other and say, I believe in you. I believe that God has a plan for your life. I see the gift and the calling and the talents that are upon you. I see good in you. What would it be like? What would it be like to say to our children, you're a world changer. You're a world changer. What what would it be like? Can we personalize it for a minute? To hear it. To not just say it, but to hear it. You know, there are five love languages, and, and one of them is words of affirmation. I took the test, and, and I kind of have three at the same time. Like, I'm words of affirmation, quality time, and, and physical touch, which means I need you to sit with me, hold my hand, and tell me I'm amazing, right? Like, I need all three at the same time. But the reality is, is that we all have a need for affirmation. We do. Every single one of us does. And the good news this morning, the good news is that your tongue is teachable. It's a teachable tool in the hands of God. And it doesn't matter what your history has been. It doesn't matter what your morning has been. It doesn't matter what five minutes ago have been. Your tongue is teachable. Proverbs 12, 18 says, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Church, You are an agent of healing to a world that is desperately broken. You are an agent of healing. Somebody needs to get excited with me. You are an agent of healing. Some of you are like, I don't have the gift of healing. I don't lay my hands on people and see people like grow new limbs or, or have their eyes open. Okay, maybe you will, maybe you won't, but you can lay your hands on somebody and say, I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in you. I think you're awesome. I think you're amazing. And James, James reminds us that the choice is ours. The choice is really ours. He says, beginning in verse 9, that sometimes the tongue, it praises our Lord and Father. And and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing comes pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. 
fresh water is satisfying. If you drink it, it will purify you. It will heal you. But if you drink from the ocean, guess what? You're going to die eventually. You're going to get sick. It dehydrates. One leads to life and the other leads to death. But according to scripture, you and I are called to be streams of living water, welling up in us to eternal life. It never runs dry. When we are connected to the source, it never runs dry. It never runs dry. And when you're feeling dry, the wisest thing you can do is stop talking. If you are tired, if you are worn out, if you're in pain, if you're not feeling good, if you have been insulted or disrespected or injured, but most of us say is, well, I need to talk about it. No, you don't need to talk about it. You need to talk to your father about it. We got to talk to our father about it instead of spewing all over each other. Maybe some of you are dry today. Maybe some of you today are feeling dry. I love the fact that in John 7, 37, Jesus says, Jesus says, he's at a feast and he calls out in a loud voice and he says, if anyone is thirsty, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from him. We can go to him and say, Jesus, I don't have a a single good thing to say today. God, I don't have a single good thing to say about that person, that situation, that thing. Jesus says, come to me. It's not going to cost you anything. Come to me and tell me you need me to flow on the inside of you. He said, anyone, that means you, and that means me. And it means that even though the default status of my tongue is to be a fleshly driven troublemaker, and even though left to its own devices, it is untamable and it will set the trajectory of my life into a pit, the good news is that God can teach me how to have a wise tongue. God can teach you how to have a wise tongue. He can teach you how to be gentle. He can teach you how to be loving. He can teach you how to be encouraging. He can teach you how to be wise. And not because you've been tamed or you've been told to act right, but because you've been transformed. You've been transformed. Scripture says that if we were perfect, we could keep our whole bodies in check. But can I let you in on a little secret? In Christ Jesus, you are perfect. In him, you are perfect. You have everything you need on the inside of you to live a life that's honoring and that's pleasing to him. And the good news is this, is that if you want your words to resemble the words of your savior, of the one you're here today worshiping, of the one you proclaim to be following. The good news is that the purer the heart, the purer the words. Church, it's a work of grace. It's a work of grace and we gain that pure heart by saturating ourselves in his presence by saturating ourselves and our mind with his word. 
of acknowledging through genuine repentance, God, God, my heart's not pure. God, my heart is hurt. God, my heart is angry. God, I've got decades of junk that's in here that with just the right match, just the right trigger can blow up. God, I'm asking you to do a work in me. Do a new work in me. Do a complete work in me. God, I don't want my my tongue to be a weapon. I want it to be an agent of healing. And God says, come. You who are weary, you are who, who are thirsty, you who are hurting, you who are angry, come, come. The Lord says, come. And in his presence, he begins a work. Now, does that mean that you don't have to do your part? No, that's not what that means at all. Pastor George covered that last week. You show me your faith by what you do. I show you my faith by what I do. You show the world your faith by what you say. So we've got to do our part. But it first begins with his part. And I think that's why I love the book of James so much, is that it's so easy. I don't need a concordance or a Greek dictionary to understand what he's saying. It's simple. You got to let Jesus get a hold of your heart if you want him to do a tremendous work on your tongue. Now, I want you to notice that I said it was simple. I didn't say it was easy because sometimes old habits die hard. But the good news is we have a Savior who died hard on your behalf. And he died hard on my behalf. So when I die to myself and I say, I can't do this on my own, God. I can't do this on my own. He says, come. He says, come. And I'll do the hard walk for you. Your job is to acknowledge it's an issue. And his job is to deal with the issues. Come on, would you stand up for me? Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you consider subscribing and sharing this on all your social platforms? If you are moved by the message and would love to share your testimony, please email it to amen at myariseChurch.com. I pray you leave here feeling encouraged. See you next time.